Welcome to Decapod, and as always, I am Terry Cook, the sidekick of the show, and we are joined by two wonderful people today, the, the ever-present mighty host of the show, Emma Morgan. How are we, Emma? I'm good, thank you. Feeling hey. feeling spicy, feeling ready, ready for battle. Ready for battle, and uh, we're ready for battle because today we are doing top tens. We've compiled top tens of songs of the 90s, TV shows of the 90s, and films of the 90s. You have your top ten, and I have my top ten. And somehow we are going to try and merge them together into a joint top ten. But what we decided was we probably couldn't do this alone because as as giving and as forthcoming and as sharing as I am, (laughs) you're probably not. So we needed someone to come and adjudicate and kind of get that judge's hammer, what's it called, a gavel, and bang it a bit and, and say no and yes. And for this, we have got Peter Gabo Gabach. Good evening, Peter. Good evening. Hello there. Making your Decapod debut. How excited on a scale of 1 to 10 are you to be here tonight? It's an 11. It's an 11. It goes up to 11, does it? It goes up to 11, like Spinal Tap. It goes yeah. all the way up to 11. All the best people get that preference. Yeah. So let's uh, let, let, let's crack on because why, at, the abuse is already on the on the go. That's why I explained it for Terry. Anyway, um, let's let's crack on because I've got a feeling this could be a tasty one. Do you know what? Screw it. Let's. I'm going to ask Peter this because it's first time on the show. What's your thought on '90s music, Peter? The '90s music is the for me the best decade in British music. Pat Barnard. I sometimes get the argument of people it's the 60s, and those people are clearly wrong. Agree. Because the 90s gave us not only Britpop, which everyone goes to, it gave us um, Acid House, it gave us Dance, it gave us Trance, it even gave us the start of UK Garage and all that kind of stuff. So for me, the 90s was, if you look at the decade before the 80s, it it was very same. It was very manufactured. And the nineties was kind of the era of the bedroom DJ and the sort of the backroom pub band making it big. So yeah, for me, music music from the nineties is everything. And for those that don't know, uh, you are a DJ, an actual radio, DJ. not like us two that no, you know, have no qualifications or or anything of notoriety. You've actually got some relevance in this subject. Well, I mean, you. Y- I mean, to be honest with you, DJing, it is just talking rubbish between songs and making sure you don't crash the vocals. It's these, it's an incredibly basic thing. People make it out to sound sort of quite grand, but it's really not. It's just basically don't say words rated strong by Ofcom between the hours of uh, 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. and you're all right. Okay, so let's let's make a start now. Uh, I'm yeah. going to throw it over to Emma. To well, should we have we said the rules? That's what I was going to say. Throw it over uh, to you to to tell us the rules because I'm going to write these down as you explain them. <laughs> Be handy for me is the judging the rules as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well prepared as we are. So I believe the rules are that we've each written down, we've gone back over, and we've each written down ten songs from across the 90s and what we are going to do is pitch each of those 10 songs one up against another one and then we will decide which one gets to go in so that we comprise of one ultimate top 10. One rule that we have agreed is that if we've both got something on our list oh did we agree this I don't know did we agree (laughs) 
Terry wants it there. If we've both got it on a list, that's automatically in. I maybe want to be more tactical um, with some I, of her choices, but I can't remember. Judge, what did we decide? As as someone who has seen both your lists, I would suggest we go for anything that you both have, we give a buy onto the final list. Okay. Because then we can just fight over the stuff that's worth fighting for. If you both agree, let's not fight over that. This is this is very much half comparing lists, half some kind of bizarre counselling session. <laughs> so let's just let's agree on what we agree on. Let's put that to one side and let's let's get on with the actual fighting. Should we just wing it? Let's wing it. Why not? Okay, okay. So are we doing what we said, uh, which is uh, each giving one song to begin with that goes into the list automatically? Can't argue over it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Emma, which song are you going first that automatically goes into the list that we can't argue with? Ain't No Doubt by Jimmy Nell. It off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to, right? But I've got a really good reason. He's where my list starts. It starts with Jimmy. He's really important. He's one of my first duets on TikTok. It's very important. So it has to be. So, yeah, ain't no doubt. Jimmy Nail. Okay. Uh, already regretting this decision. Uh, I am. Um, oh, uh, let's go with Sailor V by Bewitched. I, oh, do you know what? I didn't want to say that, but I wanted to guess it. And I was like, I, I thought it might be one of the Bewitched songs. I wouldn't have guessed yours because I've not come in with any kind of tactics or consideration for what you're doing at all. Uh, Purely, <laughs> here's 10 things I like. I didn't have it as a battle. I thought this would be a bit amusing to try and like compare and see what lists you've got. You're coming like fucking Adolf Hitler, like full steam ahead. As you said, Adolf Hitler, I kind of had my finger <laughs> under my nose, like a little moustache as well. Um, so, th- so that's our automatic one. Peter, uh, we're calling you Peter, like a smell of bruise and water. Peter, uh, have we got any duplications on the list? There is duplications, and this is where you find out if you've just wasted your free choice, because it could be that you both have songs that you've just said on the list. Now, there's no way he's put Jimmy Nail on his list. No, no, um, and and neither have you but Bewitched on your list. There is one song on which you both agree. Ooh, just one? And one song only. I have been through the list three times. There is one song and one song only that you agree on. Before you tell us, before you tell us, which song do you reckon it is, Emma? S Club 7. No, but now I know what's on your list. Fucking (laughs) tactics getting great. What song is it, Peter? The song you both agree on, and I'm incredibly disappointed in both of you, is Let's Get Ready to Rumble by PJ and Duncan. Hey! <laughs> nice one. Why are you disappointed? I just think if you're going to pick 10 songs from the 90s, it, for me, that that's not, it's not even in the top, like, thousand. I'm just a bit of a snob. Sorry. Everywhere. No, it's, it's got to be well-rounded. Is it too late to get someone else in? <laughs> What's your thoughts on Bewitched? Bewitched? I actually quite like that as a song. Um, Mainly because um, when it came out, I was like 17, 18, and you used to do the stupid dancing in nightclubs. 
where he yes. did all the crappy, like the really rubbish Irish dancing. And then I saw them about five, six years ago at the big reunion tour. Um, and they were brilliant. So, yeah. So, yeah. There we go. That's fine. But the, I think- but the rest of your list, the rest of both your lists are both excellent. I like that. You can stay. It's good. So, so so far, we've got the three of In No Doubt by fucking Jimmy Nail, Sailor Venus <laughs> by The Amazing Witch, and Let's Get Ready to Rumble by PJ and indeed Duncan. So, do you want to go first or shall I go first? Uh, you, go, you go first. All right. In which case, I am going to throw in, um, oh, let's go. Oh, it's, I don't know how to do this. I haven't thought this through. Uh, don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Oh, okay. So, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, fruity and i'm gonna say oh, oh it's just hot this is harder than i thought it would be i don't know ah! i want to i want to go for supersonic by oasis oh finger up I, well actually i've just i've just looked at the list again and emma you've written oasis supersonic then underneath you've written dollar back in anger yeah because i <laughs> Is this the tactics you were talking about before? Just to write like 27 songs down? Because <laughs> I wanted to be able to decide in the moment. So I knew I would always. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't know we'd have to send our lists <laughs> to Peter before we the fucking show. did. We spoke about it two weeks ago. I'm like every day since. I've had an actual emotional breakdown since we spoke about that. Yes, I know. I've seen it, I've heard it, I've read it. So with this one, do you both agree to put Don't Look Back in Anger through on a buy and put it on the list? Or, Emma, do you want to put something else up against Don't Look Back in Anger? I think I'm going to just make the case for supersonic because then I get Oasis in either way. So my only like thing that I would say about the why supersonic over it is I just think the lyrics are a little bit better. They rhyme supersonic with gin and tonic, which is my favorite drink. It's quite, it's a funny song and it's just not that stereotypical Oasis song. However, I, I do love don't look, don't look back in anger as well, but I would just, we'll put the argument for supersonic just in case. I mean, I've not got a massive argument for Don't Look Back in Anger, except I'm not a bit overly fond of Supersonic. So I suppose if we were comparing arguments there, Emma's is like Supersonic is 10 out of 10 and Don't Look Back in Anger is 9 out of 10. And I'm saying Don't Look Back in Anger is 10 out of 10, so I would go in mine every time there. Should we just put that one through, Don't Look Back in Anger? Well, I mean, Emma's made the case for Supersonic. You've made the case for Don't Look Back in Anger. And I love Oasis. And I love both of these songs. They're both, I love them both for different reasons. I didn't expect this to be so difficult. I honestly thought one of these would be rubbish. I actually don't mind conceding and having Don't Look Back in Anger go, look at his face. Fuck you, look one nil, get Look in. at his face. Yep. Just because um, my little boy's dedicated this song to me before, so, you know, it's got super what? special meaning. Don't Look Back in Anger? Yeah. I so, think it's really fitted. So your little boy <laughs> dedicated Don't Look Back in Anger and you still chose a different Oasis song? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it did. Now I, I only to... concede because you've just prioritised. I don't even know what to go with that. All right, I... don't look back in anger. Yeah, I mean, I do like don't look back in anger. And I also like the um, cover version, which you may not have heard uh, by Mark and Lard. They did that cover. It was called Don't Look Back, You Wanker. 
don't know if I can sit on a podcast, can I? Well, oh, yeah, anyway. Like, uh, he's talked about doing stuff to pigs, so not in <laughs> person. I've said fuck seven times before. You you can say it all up back in one, it's fine. <laughs> okay, right. well, that's a good start. Yeah, well, nil to me. I mean, if we just cut off the recording now, because it ended, it'll be all right, won't it? But just claim victory. Is it the my go? The, the next part of the podcast is just going to be Terry going, and then Pete agreed with me all the way through, so I went on first. <laughs> yeah, I'll change it. I'm going to edit this show. <laughs> right, go on. What What are you throwing forward? Um, I'm going to put forward... Uh, so if we've done Oasis, I'm going to go Blur, and I've gone Girls and Boys. So I've kind of gone the other way with Blur, because I like, again, I like a lot of the lesser-known songs. But if I think of an ultimate Blur song for the 90s, it's got to be Girls and Boys, and it's that. Uh, I think he even says, like, love in the 90s. Love in the 90s. It's got Cockney. It's Paradise. So Girls and Boys Blur. Well, if you're going... Girls and boys blur. I am going to go with something that talks about babies. And we're going to go Baby Come Back by Paso Batten, which is a tremendously wonderful song. And uh, he uses such wonderful lyrics as his bag of sensei. Yeah. So this is an open goal, surely. This should be absolutely fine for me. I'm just relieved that when you said baby come back. I just relieved you weren't saying pork babies because then I might have had another little meltdown. So I I feel confident Girls and Boys Blur is more ultimate 90s than um, that one. Oh, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. It is <laughs> right. definitely more ultimate 90s than Baby Come Back. However, Baby Come Back is a much better song. It's brilliant. Get absolutely fucked to fuckery. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's got a CD collection and a bag of sensei, all this kind of shit's going on. <laughs> I sense I'm not going to win with this one. I, I think what Terry has done there is he's seen what you've picked and he's think, right, which one am I least asked about losing? I sense. <laughs> I, I put my strongest challenge up against that. Pato Banton, it is an absolute tune and it is a cracking song. However, girls and boys beats it hands down every time. There's no, you don't even have to think about that. It, it's an iconic song for so many reasons. Whatever. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next one. And I've forgotten what the score was, so I am just going to go. Oh, I just realised I put it down twice. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the 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 song that rocked the Smurfville Primary under 11s leaving disco, which was <laughs> "Boom Shake the Room" by. Uh, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff, Will Smith, the Fresh Prince. Okay, so then I'm going to hit that back with S Club 7 Reach. Yeah, all right, S Club 7 goes on. Yes. I will concede. We don't even need to argue. Oh, okay. Should I go for mine? My yeah. next one? No? <laughs> no, I'm happy with that. I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't know why S Club 7 aren't on my list. Okay, so then I'm going to go with space you and me versus the world or you and me against the world all right cool well let's go for something completely different then to space and we're going to just go complete chalk and cheese and i'm going to go along similar vein i've just been i'm going to go getting jiggy way will smith and i am going to say that that is a uh, a better tune a better song it's more fun it's more enjoyable (laughs) the spaced one is a bit like it's it's a bit whiny you know it's I, I, I don't dislike it. It's a bit 
it just whereas you've got Will Smith and you know anything I've just you know we've got to have Will Smith on I've just I've just given him up for the S Club Sevens no you've broken one of your own rules and had the same artist twice I didn't know that was a rule. You've had that rule in previous what? episodes. You don't put the same artist on your list twice. Oh, it doesn't matter on the 90s. Technically, you haven't, because Boom Shit the Room is the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jim. Uh, where no, is this Will Smith? What good, are, what good are you, Peter? That was my thinking. <laughs> right. But, right, Space, they're the most one of the most underrated acts of Britpop, but they absolutely dominated the charts in that 95 to 98 era. And their songs are like, they're so much fun. It tells a proper story. This, this song is a story. You can picture it. It's romance. And I've met Tommy from Space and had a little cuddle with him. So I think I would have to message him after this and tell him it didn't get on. Right. Okay. And that's actually a really good argument. Well done. However, getting jig of it also tells a story and you can picture it because you all have to dance around a handbag at some point, you know, according to the lyrics. And also, you know, imagine how Will Smith is going to feel crying in his millions when I have to tweet him and say, Emma Morgan hates you. Oh, no. Okay, that threat is enough for me to back off. Let's put the gun down. Let's put the gun down. Get out of it. I can see you looking at your Twitter window. I can see you looking at it. It's fine. We're cool. We're cool, Ziz. It can go on. Awesome. Excellent. Getting jiggy witty. Who's go is it now? I don't know. Peter, who's go is it? it? I believe it's Charles Terry. Right, okay. Oh, okay. Let's go. Angels by Robbie Williams. That was interesting eyes there, Emma Morgan. Interesting eye movement. It was because I don't want to potentially sacrifice something. So I'm going to, oh, this is going to make it sound like I'm happy. With, I'm not happy with sacrificing whatever I'm about to say. So I'm going to go, right, Robbie Williams, Angels. I'm going to go Suede, Beautiful Ones. Um, Suede, a little bit like, space can sometimes be the unsung heroes but they are actually the founding fathers of Britpop or one of them and Brett Anderson is a beautiful human being and their songs are hauntingly brilliant and I would suggest that although Angels by Robbie Williams is one of those songs that a lot of people know and love I would just say Suede's hauntingly beautiful rendition just edges it for that reason I would agree that that is a good song to sacrifice for Angels by Robbie Williams, and I will concede your sacrifice, and we can move on. Bollocks. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Robbie Angels by Robbie Williams is, oh, do you know what, right? If 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 this doesn't go in, right, 13, I don't know what year, uh, I've got to try and do maths again, 97, 15-year-old uh, Terry, he'd just be a broken boy. He was broken anyway from what I've heard. All right, well, he fixed him a bit. <laughs> What song am I going to use to sad wanker if I take out <laughs> Angels by Robbie Williams, right? That's a reason for it not to go in, surely. No, that's a reason for it to stay no. in. It should have been number one. I, I should have said it first. I should have given it priority list. So I apologise to the, the fans of Robbie Williams for not throwing that straight in, right? <laughs> I may not be here. If this doesn't make in the list, I may just, like, vaporise in front of you both. You know, like when Thanos did his click, that's what it'll be like. I wish I could put that memory out of my brain, that vision. I think if he vaporises, the memory will vanish with it. No. 
Um, I think that when you started talking about this, Emma, you did speak about something that you were willing to sacrifice to Robbie Williams. And I think that you have you have no, made that sacrifice. With I said there were things I was definitely not going to potentially sacrifice. And I did also say that doesn't mean I'm happy with this, but I have to choose something. I think we have to throw this over to Pete, over to Garbo, to, to make, his, make his decision, because neither of us are conceding here. I genuinely love Suede and especially that song I genuinely love Angels um, for different reasons Angels it's a tough one because it's a brilliant song but I've heard it murdered so many times on karaoke's and at the end of the night at weddings so but due to the iconic nature and because if you said to me can you give me a top 20 of the 90s Angels will definitely go in it and I can't say that Suede would definitely go in my top 20 of the 90s so there go, I am picking angels. I will write that down. And yet again, I have one. <laughs> All right, uh, over to, to, to Emma. What, what, what song are you throwing? Uh, what song are you laying the gauntlet down with now? Um, so I'm going to... I'm actually a bit... Uh, okay. Uh, oh, no, Poker Face, Poker Face. Right, this really, really important song. <laughs> like, just ignore that, that, what, that face I pulled just now. So I would... Oh, it just doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> I feel like a, I feel like a four-year-old that's losing at bowling because I just know that I can't win with this one. It's it's not strong enough. It was impulse that it went on. So Elastica connection. I really love it. It was the um, theme song for Trigger Happy, which is like a bit of an iconic show. But there you go. Just say yours. Let's get it done. See, now I'm concerned. I'm actually concerned because you're saying to me that you don't think it's strong enough. But as I'm looking at you in this top left-hand corner, I can see Pete getting quite excited by that. So now I'm concerned about what I'm putting up against it. And now, let's go. Oh, let's go, Scatman John. Oh, I might be saved. Please, I'm not going to be saved by this. Well, judging by Pete's reaction, I'm not going to bother arguing with this. I'm all throwing straight on. <laughs> and no, the, the reaction was, I was kind of hoping you were going to pick something else that wasn't quite as strong. Oh, in which case, allow me to argue <laughs> for Scatman John. <laughs> because Scatman John is it's a, it's, a, it's a generational song that people under it, and it's like it came along at a time when the just the, the, the pop charts were diluted with Britpop and with the mediocrity that carried over from the 80s. And then it was just flooded with Britpop, much like uh, Elastica and Suede and these kind of bands. And it was just something different that gave us something slight chance. And people like me, oh God, people like me that can't talk properly. That stutter and stumble. Oh, fuck off with this. No, we're not having the violin story every single time. I'm sorry that your teenage years were difficult, but you can't keep using that as a reason to have it in the bloody list. What year did it come out? Uh, Scatman John came out in 1995, which is ironically your favourite year for music. So for that reason alone, it it should be in. I was hoping it was 94 and then I could be like, oh, it, it wasn't like Britpop everywhere, but I don't know why I did that hand flick at you. I'm very, very angry. <laughs> I would say it is a counter to everything else that was going on at the time and it's just something different. Now, look, I will hold my hands up here. Scatman John does not get on anyone's list of the 10 greatest songs of all time, right? But in a in a time of the 90s when, and I, I was... 
Because Emma's a bigger fan of Britpop of anyone. That's not true. I enjoyed Britpop. I like Britpop. I was a bit more mainstream than, than the two uh, people in front of me as we speak. However, it was things like Scatman John that definitely just kept me sane, just with that randomness and that brilliant song that, that is Scatman John. But I am now just going to come in and go, however, Connection by Elastica has got the sexiest bass in all of the song history because it actually goes, makes a noise and it is sexy it will make you horny and happy so you could put it as a kind of pick me up after your angel's sad wank i mean i'm really confused now because that that didn't sound overtly sexy (laughs) well you're just not sexing with the right people this is not going very well (laughs) right let's throw it over to 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 gabo so I've listened to both your arguments, and they're both, they're both compelling, <laughs> even if Terry does keep mentioning sad wanks. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to, on this one, go with Emma and Elastica, um, because that song is, and it's iconic for two reasons. The first one is, like Emma said, there's a bass line, which if you turn it right up in your stereo, you can literally feel it through the floor. And the second one is, it was the theme tune at Trigger Happy, which is one of my sort of favourite, sort of, it changed the genre of those kind of shows. So for me, it's Elastica and Connection. Okay. So we're on to the last song now. Are we? Uh, I've got Song number 10. Yeah, I know, but because we've been battling and stuff, it works out that way. So I've only got one. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, because it, oh dear. So we've both got one more each. That's why I've got two left on my list. So it's, it's my go first, isn't it? And mm. I can only pick one of these. Oh, for fuck's sake, because I've got one that I prefer, but one that I think you would more likely go for. So do I do I stay true to myself and go with the song that I like the most? Or do I do what you're probably going to do and try and win and go for some kind of weird tactical vote and as if I'm some kind of rebellious Tory? I can't go down that road. That's the worst thing you've ever said to me. I can't go down that road. I called you Hitler before. <laughs> Take that over, <laughs> fucking Tory. But anyway, keep any Tories that are listening, um, <laughs> I don't apologise. Uh, okay, screw it. Let's go for um, uh, the the wonderful 1992 classic by Kiss. God gave rock and roll to you. <laughs> so I'm going to um, go with Supergrass. And I'm going for, because I put two potential options down for the, I'm going for Caught by the Fuzz. For the reason being that when a lot of people get into Supergrass, they they will remember All Right. And All Right is a pop song, but it is not a an, an quintessential Supergrass song. They are heavier rock than that. They've got heavy guitars and things like that. Caught by the Fuzz. There's a bit of a theme running. I like a southern accent. So cut by the fuzz while I was on the buzz. Um, I heard that. It's one of the first albums I ever bought. I heard it. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with this band because of this song. And it really opened my eyes to that. There was so much more than this plinky plonky piano song that had been in the charts. And they're good. And they've, they're just such a strong band. And I just feel that sums up what it felt to be like a teenager for me in 1995 as well that kind of being out rebelling and then potentially well the police did get called to my house once but we've we've mentioned that previously so that's why caught by the fuzz supergrass for me i 
adore the song uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kiss. Uh, it's one of the few songs, and now admittedly, it's, there's a reason for this. It's one of the few songs on the, in the world that I know all the lyrics to, and that's because there's only about nine words. Um, <laughs> but, and this genuinely, like, jars at me, I feel like you 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 enjoy the music more than I do. You are more passionate about was it Swed? Who did you just say? Supergrass. Supergrass. Because I don't know their song that you just said. Uh, so you are more passionate about that than I would be about Kiss. So do you know what? Screw it. Let's 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 succumb to this, and I will I will award you that that song. A charitable act. This has Which, been noted for films. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> Almost as if there was a ploy. Playing uh, the long which, game. Yeah. Which won't work, by the way. But either way, which actually awards you the, the most songs in the top ten. I've, yeah, I've still got one to go. No, that's our top ten. No, 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 no. The top got, ten. I haven't said ten. Well, that's what happens when you mix them up like that and they don't oh, all go in. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no <laughs> We've got no, Ain't No, no Doubt by Jimmy Nail. We've got Sailor V by Bewitched. We've got Let's Get Ready to Rumble, Dolo Back in Anger, Girls and Boys, Reach, Getting Jiggy With It, Angels, Elastica and Supergrass. Right. Out there. Elastica? Did uh, that make co- it in? Connection. Is it Connection? Yeah. Right. Mm. I'm so sorry. I need to scrap Elastica then. <laughs> Welcome to Decapod, people. <laughs> I've been crossing them off. I I have to have pulp. I've got to have pulp. I'll even have um. I'll even have one of the cheesy ones. I'll even have Common People or Disco Two Thousand. What I really want is Miss Shapes because it's the song that defined my life. So I have to have that in. I don't care what song has to go, apart from Eight. So no we will doubt, swap like, you know. Elastica um, for pulp <gasps> and what? Miss Shapes. Right, and just before we go on any further. And maybe I should have done this at the start because we've had this discussion before when you're doing top tens and you do nine. And then, you know, I have to point out to you or it gets raised. And, oh, yeah, there's one there. Right, okay. So I feel like I need to explain this. When when I have 10 of something and you have 10 of something, that makes 20, right? <laughs> so when, when we put them together, not all of your 10 will go in. So therefore, there will be some left over. So you have to pick wisely. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. I just thought we both got to say 10. I don't understand that at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, right. Let, let's explain this. <laughs> oh, dear me. If, right, you were to say, <laughs> I, you put your 10 things on one piece of paper and I put my 10 things on my piece of paper, right? If the first seven of mine went in, then you're only going to get to say three of yours in that sense. We're only going to get, we're not going to get through all 20. Uh... <laughs> which, which we could have done until you had the idea of, let's do this battle one song against the other. This is why don't let me have many ideas, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'll let you have the ideas. I'll just gently point out that, you know, sometimes it might be wise to take a step back and consider the idea first. Uh, so I'll say it one more time. Uh, welcome to Decapodby. How are you finding your experience on the show so far? Imagine if people start here. <laughs> I want so many people to start here now. If this, <laughs> this, is, your exact first, bit. If this is your first episode of Decapod, start somewhere else. <laughs> Literally anywhere else. 
so many unfortunate callbacks right now so many unfortunate <laughs> callbacks okay so that 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 defines music <laughs> so we had ain't no doubt sailor v let's get ready to rumble don't look back in anger girls and boys reach getting jiggy angels Misshapes by Pulp and the Supergrass one that I didn't write down, so I've forgotten it. And um, I believe that Emma won that five songs to four. Well, that's nine. Oh, right, okay. Yes, we had <laughs> one that we both had together that was Let's Get Ready to Rumble, which makes ten. Right. I'm with it. Okay. <laughs> However, if I can just come in very briefly here, you're both wrong because oh, the because the greatest song of the 1990s is Ash and Girl from Mars. Good choice. Okay, so now that Emma's got a grip of what the rules are to the game that she made the rules for, let's move on to TV. Uh, and again, so just to clarify, we have both picked 10 TV programmes that we enjoyed very much from the 90s and 10 TV programmes that we would like to see in a top 10 weird this right and what we're going to do is initially we're going to head over to pete and we're going to put together that any tv programs then i reckon there's at least two that overlap here maybe three um four in fact i'm saying overlap on this one and we're going to add those on then what we're going to do is we're going to battle between the others now we're going to have to be quite careful with how we select the others because we may not get through them all just through the way maths works so i think i went first last time we need to go to Peter for the We need to go to doubles. Peter first. So what, what doubles have we got, Peter? Yes. So your doubles on this round, and I am doing it as I'm reading it. So you both went for bottom. We both love bottom. You both went for TFI Friday. You both agreed on the Royal Family. It was set in Liverpool. You both agreed on Ghost Watch, and you both agreed on Shooting Stars. Oh, nice. Nice. So we've got five on there. That's pretty good. Okay, cool. So I think I went first for music. So do you want to go first for TV? So is this the one where it's the guaranteed choice? I definitely get it on the list. Yeah, let's do that. And then we're only battling over three. So which one are you definitely choosing to go in? 11 o'clock show because I love Ian Lee and I need to show him in as many ways as possible and putting the 11 o'clock show straight in and then sending the clip of this audio uh, will be the best way to do that. Also, subscribe to Ian Lee's Patreon, which is excellent, as is Terry Cook's. Yes, very good. But also, how good is Ian Lee? Oh, my goodness. Do you like do you like Taylor Day then? Yeah, that that's no? the one to promote. Just... Not me, not the fucking... <laughs> Co-host slash sidekick on this I'm show. I'm just excited. I'm just excited to yeah. be a Lee fan. I'm on the um, TNLA Twitch stream and stuff. Are as you? Well. Awesome. I, yeah. I, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you definitely want to sort of listen. I've got a little Ian Lee story in another episode of Decapod. And I did. I used to hang out in the Twitch thing all the time. And then I got in trouble one. I got muted by him and it absolutely devastated me. <laughs> So I had to go and hide you because I just was so upset because I got in trouble with him. There we go. Okay, that was my my dead set. Sorry, Terry. You've got an amazing Patreon. Would you like to talk about it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
just go sign up for it and, and just listen to the, my magical tones and we'll leave it as that because my choice is going in uh, to the top 10 of the 1990s is the greatest TV show of the 1990s, which is, what is it? I'm guessing Gladiator. What are you guessing, Peter? I'm guessing he's going to say Father Ted. Mm-hmm. You're both wrong. It's indeed the X-Files. Oh, of course it is. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Weirdly, I was clearing out our storage locker last week and I had boxes of stuff and I found my VHS of the X-Files episode, Tombs. I am jealous right now. Such a good episode. And I haven't got a VHS player, and I'm actually actively looking at car boots for one just so I can watch it on VHS. Tombs is the episode that initially put me off the X-Files because I found it too scary. And I had to go back and I think I then kind of caught up again in series two. And it was only then when I started buying the VHSs I were able to go back and, and watch Tombs again. It's like, yes, it is terrifying, but also brilliant. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we now have Bottom, TFI Friday, Royal Family, Ghost Watch, Shooting Stars, 11 o'clock show, um, the, who you are stalking, and the X-Files. <laughs> um, so that moves us on to uh, our final three of the top ten. So keep in mind, you can only... Yes, I realise it's maths, right? But keep in mind, you can only now submit three film, uh, three TV shows. So I believe you are going to go first. Okay, so... I'm going to go with, I want to get as much comedy in this list, so I'm going to scrap that one straight away. And I'm going to go in with Absolutely Fabulous. And I get the mean, a massively iconic comedy of the 90s has successfully come back and done many sort of film. Jennifer Saunders should be Dame Jennifer Saunders by now. Two iconic characters basically created i am going to see your absolute fabulous i'm going to raise it with father ted and i am also going to be a complete dick which i'm sure you'll be used to by now but i'm going to slam some funk down on this because um during a previous sorry got distracted there uh, during a previous episode of decapod when we spoke about absolutely fabulous you missed it off your list but one of the good things about doing this was to go back on those things we regret and make some things right that were perhaps wrong in previous episodes. And that is one of those regrets that I had that I wanted to make right as part of this. Annoyingly, that's a really, really good comeback. But I'm still going Father Ted because remember, those sheep are really far away. Yeah. I would just I would just argue ab fab. I, I love Father Ted, so I won't be absolutely gutted if it wins but i would just say longevity of the characters also okay let's bring oh and i was going to bring in bubble who's my favorite side character pretty much of all time but then you'll see me with mrs doyle so that they cancel each other out uh, i'll just go down to peter i which, which out of the two before you throw it over to peter i just need to make one point on what you've said there because i feel like it was a, a touch unfair when you talk about the longevity of the characters there was a specific reason why the father said sure kind of doesn't have that much longevity. Well, yeah, I will take that. But I will also say that Graham Linehan and would probably have ruined it for it because he's an incredibly problematic person with some of his opinion um, on the transgender community that he's very open about on Twitter. I thought that with our top tens this year, we were going to get away we're not talking about problematic people. And I didn't know who was problematic. And now that's ruined it for me. Right, Father Ted, off the list. Absolutely fabulous is going on. You fucker. Peter, did you want to speak? <laughs> and, and, right. 
and this is this is the really frustrating thing for me because if you I get that Graham Lanahan is problematic and I appreciate that I can't say exactly what I want to say because you probably get sued to death. However, if you're throwing out Father Ted, you've then got to throw out everything else he's been involved with, such as the IT crowd. He was in I'm Alan Partridge. So if you want if you want to throw that out, that's fine because he is an incredibly problematic individual. And yeah. So I think for the for the harmony of Decapod and the general not being sued element of it, I think yeah, maybe we should just go for Abfab. Yeah. Um I'm happy to do that. I mean I'm However, really if you if you hadn't bought that problematic side into it, I would have absolutely have gone for Father Ted because I think it's funnier than Abfab. Just see now I'm personal. Mm-hmm. So should we know, pretend? Ma- should we pretend Graham Linnan's not or Linnan's not part of it? I mean, we can, but I've wrote absolutely fabulous down now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll do more work and cross First it out. Problems. Right. Yeah, it's the thing, right? You, you know my take on this. I'm very, I'm very good at separating art from artist generally, and and yes, I, I would be happy to you know do this. And I'm, I'm not being a martyr. I would let Father Ted go back on, even though it's my choice. I would allow it to go back onto the list. I will just mention before I get um, waylaid and forget and before I make a final decision, move away from this. If you're transphobic, you're a dick. I don't want to listen to the show. Off your trot. Um, so what are we doing? Father Ted are absolutely fabulous. Um, for that last sentence alone, I want Father Ted to go on because I just thought that was a lovely, a lovely statement, which I wholeheartedly agree with. So for its pure comedy, I agree with Father Ted. And the thing to remember about Father Ted is... Yes, he was the writer, and the writing is a part of it. However, the actors who brought those characters to life, mm-hmm. it was 90% them, because if you give anyone that script, not not anyone could have delivered what they delivered as a, as a cast. And I'm, I'm fairly convinced that all of them would think aforementioned individual was a bit of a tit. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, that so that took an unexpected turn. We're 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 fighting the the good fight on this show. Good. If you watch it on your old DVDs, it means he doesn't get any repeat fees off all four either. That's worth mentioning. Ah. Top tips. Top tips on how to screw over the phobics. All right. So uh, I'm going to move on now. Before I, I throw my my first TV offering out there, um, I'm going to lay some it down and just say that this. It's affected everyone's childhood. It affected everyone's childhood, not just mine. It had an impact on us all. It brought tears. And also, as we're recording this, it's World Vegan Day. Um, so the animals of Farvin Wood. <laughs> Put it in. Put it in. Excellent. <laughs> Man's got a point. Oh, yes. So what you've done there, Terry, is for, is there a programme that's got sexy animals in that Emma will like? <laughs> I'd forgotten about the fox, but, <laughs> but yes, there is a fox. So so now, Emma, what programme are you willing to sacrifice for a sexy fox? Alan Partridge, because of the previous oh. conversation. You've guilted me into it. So ah. I, uh, And I actually, I was watching an Alan Partridge clip earlier that had some very outdated statements made in it. So on that basis, that's why I've ditched it. Amazing comedy character, 
really like Steve Coogan, but for that, yeah, he's gone. It's it's worth noting with that, and I hate to be boring, you can edit this out, but it's worth noting with Alan Partridge, the joke is you're laughing at him. Yeah, which Even is if, fine. Yeah. But so, uh, so I'm really complicated on this because yeah. I think, Near enough, everything Steve Coogan does is amazing, and I do that. And I listen to Alan Partridge's podcast, I've listened to all the books, seen all the series, and things like that. So I love it as a comedy character. Generally, I don't like characters where you're laughing at them because what you tend to find is the people laugh at what they're saying because they agree with what they're saying, as opposed to getting that you're supposed to laugh at them. And I have this same problem with um, Al Murray for Blandlord. This is why I struggle with comedy. This is my issue. I will also just throw a quick note out of there, um, just a heads up for the rest of the show. When you say to, you know, edit this out or anything along those lines, that's a big flash number light for Emma to leave it in. <laughs> I just didn't think it was a particularly interesting thing to say. I just wanted to point out that it, when you're comparing, like, if you someone like him, for example, and someone like, I don't know, like Jim Davidson, uh, Jim Davidson, be careful, Pete. It's an incredibly questionable character with some of the stuff that he says. <coughs> Not bad. Yeah. Racist. Um, whereas Alan Partridge, the joke is that he is like this. He's like the worst of people sometimes. Anyway. Um, yeah. So in, in summary, the sexy animals are going through. Yeah. Rock on. Right, go on then. We've got the last one for TV. Oh, I've got Sophie's Choice, this. but I, I was, that was a film on it. It was. Um, it's often a reference point for when people have a difficult choice to make. And now I don't know if you know that or whether you're just being, you're just being silly. Right? I'm just being silly. Right. So if I think about, so I'm, I am going to def off a comedy because I am trying to think of a programme that, again, would have summed up I would have think all three of our Saturday tea times and we would have sat down and we would have enjoyed this and the show is Noel's House Party. It's You think about it. If you think of an icon from the 90s, particularly the early 90s, it's that fucking blob. And I don't mean Noel Edmonds. But you've got the people that are coming in. You've got like a... You've got a cascade of 90s celebrities. It was when we gunged people and we thought it was hilarious. People popped out your TV and filmed you watching it. It's the gotchas. You think about the celebrities. that Dave Lee Travis, um, that dancing man. Is it Lionel Blair? The Lionel Blair stare from getting a gotcha. You can't get more 90s than Noel's house party. Ergo. It should be in this list. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go with that. My two remaining ones, um, I don't think I could put above that anyway. I don't know actually how I managed to miss Noel's house party off this. If I don't, I think I should have put that on my own list. But uh, yes, my two remaining ones were Alan McBeal and the Lakes, and I wouldn't have won with either of those, and I would put Noel's house party above that on this list anyway. So yes, I will succumb to your wise choice there. Ah, oh, this is much more harmonious. It's worth mentioning as well, not only did it top the TV charts, it also topped the music charts in the 90s, didn't it? Noel's House Party. Oh, but Mr Blobby is the reason why Babe didn't get to number one at Christmas. Yes. I did have a slight fear then that you were going to say Mr Blobby was problematic. 
as far as I know, Mr. Blobby has never been accused of anything. Um, it's because no one knows who's in him. I mean, <laughs> if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> um, but again, after we, so I mean, Terry, do you want to are you wanting to run down that um, that list? Yeah. So the the, the ten that we have were um, bottom. TFI Friday, Royal Family, Ghost Watching Shooting Stars. We we both agreed on those. Uh, the eleven o'clock show, the X Files, Father Ted, the Animals of Farthingwood, and indeed Knowles House Party. What was your view on TV in the nineties, Mister Garbage? Well, you've both made a really glaring omission again. Um, you've missed out possibly one of the most iconic TV shows of the nineties, which was of course This Life. Uh, I've never seen it. It's a shameful omission from my um, viewing, but yeah, it's a very good shout. Brilliant. It was. It's almost like, and I don't want to do it injustice because it was a proper drama, but it, it's like Friends, but actually realistic without the comedy. That It showed the actual mechanics of relationships. And I think for me, as someone at the time who was like 15, 16, seeing that interaction it was kind of an insight into that sort of grown-up world if you if you know what mm. i mean um and also bbc2 had this thing of, of putting like edgy dramas on on a friday evening around that time and that was just one that stuck out for me i think i started watching it and then i think i was a bit like i'm not cool enough for this not as in i'm not cool enough to watch but like i'll never be as cool and you know as these guys i can't I can't watch that. Um, but no, I think the few episodes I watched were interesting. Either way, let, let's move on. And I'm going to chuck in a couple of re- reviews for our listeners. Uh, the, the the wonderful, the mighty Decamorphin Power Rangers Magnificent Seven who have been flocking in their droves to tell us how wonderful the show is. So first uh, review actually came from today. It's a nice little Facebook comment, which I am moderately entertained by the show and want to be friends with Emma now. I mean, I'm... If only, if only they knew, eh, what it's like to be my friend. They would not think that, would they? Well, perhaps after listening to the first twenty minutes of this show, they may change their mind. Um, but yes, that was by my friend, just tongues. Brilliant. Also uh, by this uh, a chap called Matt Bennett, uh, who <laughs> really long-winded um, review, which I'm not going to read through. I'm just going to come up with the last quote, which was, has bagpiping come up yet? And he's going to keep asking me that until I mention it, which was a sexual perversion of mine that I used to have. Um, Is that a euphemism? It is a euphemism, yeah. Is this something I'm going to need to Google? Don't Google it. I will do an impression. And it's not... (laughs) It's just to clarify, it's not an actual sexual perversion I had. It was a joke that was made. But... You think of bagpiping, you can read into that what you will. Uh, and then the last lost. review, that well, that's probably a good thing, <laughs> is by by uh, by Chris Benstead, which was simply, I love Decapod. <laughs> Can't get a better review than that one. <laughs> Coming next week, my four-year-old review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, message me, yeah? Slide in my DMs. It's all good. You can tell me what bagpiping means. She bakes vegan cakes. If anyone's listening, go check out Jess Bakes Vegan. She makes the most amazing cookies and buns. Hmm. 
I had to chuck that in because it's World Vegan Day. We're now moving on to film, and uh, we've got... Oh, do I need to explain the rules to you again? No, it's fine. I'm with it. I'm just really dreading this. Okay, so let's roll over to Pete first, because I reckon that we have two the um, same. Yeah, potential, yeah. What 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 have we got that matches up, Pete? Abs- oh, actually, no, I didn't think you had any, but you do have one, which is Scream. Yeah, that's what I expected. I f- didn't think that one, but that's good. Apart from Scream, you do not agree on anything. <laughs> well, it's kind of a kind of a euphemism for the entire series, isn't it? Really. <laughs> well, especially considering that uh, I think before the show, Emma said that I had to put a limit on one genre. <laughs> one, so that's my that's me out now. I'm done. <laughs> I think Peter's told me to stop being so silly, and <laughs> so I think you're good. All right, so uh, we now need to throw in, uh, pick one to throw in. So uh, I am going to throw in mine first, and it's probably a bit silly me saying this one, because this one, I'm surprised it wasn't on your list, uh, and I think that whatever, wherever I put this, you would probably just back down gracefully anyway with this. So the, the film that I am throwing into the top 10 films of the 1990s is indeed Tammy and the T-Rex. Right, okay. Low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit. Because I want iconic films for this, so I would like... Oh, hang on a minute. Free choice. Yeah, it is a free choice. I've just your Tammy free choice? Yes. Oh, don't... Oh. Who? Okay, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I was hoping for a battle for the Robin Hood. I'm disappointed that that battle's not come. No, um, you're not willing to you're risk your hands on my um, Kevin or Alan. What I'm, I am slightly amused by is that you said that you wanted iconic films, but yet with your songs, you were almost constantly choosing songs that were less well known. Yeah, because I'm a music. Well, I'm not a music snob, only about the bands I like, and I hate it when it's the song everybody knows. Okay, so uh, well, I'm going to throw in my first one that I will let you argue over. Um, so I am going to put in Jurassic Park. Right, oh, fucking hell. Talk about going with your biggest hitter. I've got um, worst first. So... I will. I would like to counter that with Pulp Fiction. I'm really, really gutted you've you've you put it with Pulp Fiction because I had another that would have made a good battle again. Oh, that's annoying. All right, well, okay, that's cool. Uh, but and Pulp Fiction is a tremendous film. It's one of those films and I spoke about this on the show that I watched. I'm like. This is a fucking cool film. When did films happen like this? You know, I can't come on here and, and make out like Pulp Fiction isn't a very good film. It is. And it's a bit bonkers in places. And who doesn't love Quentin Tarantino's? <laughs> yeah. Old Q. Old QT. Yeah. Oh, don't love a bit of QT. Um, in fact, we may have him on my list shortly. But. <laughs> is that the, the same as Emma's list? <laughs> no. No, Tarantino's not on my list. And, yeah, we've got an Emma's List special planned and it's like a fucking book. It's not a list. Hey, I've told you, (laughs) I can't afford to be choosy. Emma's List sounds like the sequel to Sophie's Choice. (laughs) (laughs) Choices. Um, 
All right. So, but yes, uh, what film did I say? Jurassic Park. Yes, but Jurassic Park has velociraptors. It's got the, one of the greatest, scariest moments in all of film history, which is a moment in the kitchen where the velociraptors are coming in to get them. It's one of the highest grossing films of all time at the time. And it's just, it's family fun whilst encapsulating everything. There's a bit of comedy in it. There's some horror in it. There's action in it. There's suspense in it. There's thriller in it. It's literally everything you could want from a film. And I reckon it should be in anyone's top 10, top five list of all time. I would just say that whilst Jurassic Park is a good dinosaur film, <gasps> it kind of does what a dinosaur film is supposed to do. You see some dinosaurs, they're noisy, and then they try and eat people. What Pulp Fiction did was bring a completely new type of film into the cinema. Tarantino is generally considered, particularly in this era, an absolute genius. The narrative of Pulp Fiction is circular. It is a circular narrative film, yet it's also deliberately broken. So if you go back and revisit it, Bruce Willis's timeline doesn't work completely, but it's cleverly done in the way that it does it. So it's got that circular narrative. It interweaves storylines between each other. It goes off on tangents. It's got dancing. It brought John Travolta back from the acting dead and brought him back and gave him a Hollywood career that he still managed to lose. However, he stood a really good chance. Uma Thurman, one of the most ultimate leading ladies in a film. And I think because it's so different and that bursting onto the scene that's why it should be included versus a dinosaur film i i cannot believe you the class jurassic park is just a dinosaur film what's it that about terry it's about family <laughs> it's, it's about family <laughs> you've got the grandkids that have turned up that you haven't seen for ages and they love them and the man gets eaten on the toilet and yes it's by a dinosaur but the trauma that must that man have gone through we don't only gone for a poo and someone's eaten him and it's not just about dinosaurs it's about the whole thing yes peter it just that uh, for a second i thought terry had turned into dibbin diesel <laughs> it's all about family yeah it is all about family and it's just a, oh, you can't mm. call it just a dinosaur film that massively underplays it that's like saying Jaws is a film about a shark it's not just a film about a shark it's not just a, it's like saying fucking Robin Hood's a film about a fox right it's not <laughs> it's nothing along those lines it's the whole thing that encapsulates it you see more of the people than you do of the dinosaurs and not just that how good are them dinosaurs now it's not like Tamley and T-Rex which is pure fun and yes there's a T-Rex in it but trust me it does not look like an actual t-rex over in jurassic park we know though we've got um actual t-rexes and what i will also say is that pulp fiction isn't even i'm going to try and say his name right quentin tarantino's best film of the 90s yeah it is um also should we really have two films on the list with t-rexes in i mean that sounds a bit crazy daisy to me Uh, i'm just 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 throwing that out there you've already got one t-rex why do you need another because that one's like an inflatable and <laughs> Jurassic Park's real oh, dinosaurs. Oh. That's why. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that there. I'm not going down this road anymore on this one because I refuse to be drawn into it. It's just a dinosaur film. It's not. It's about everything. Like I said, it ticks every box. Whereas you look at Pulp Fiction, uh, it's, like I said, it's a really good, I can't not Pulp Fiction. It was it was on my list. That I had, You know, I do the 42 strong list. It was on that list that I had to knock off. I can't knock it, but it's just simply not as good as Jurassic Park as a film. 
but it's better because Jurassic Park's actually designed to be a proper film. Jurassic Park was just Steven Spielberg trying to make as much money out of merchandise and merchandise and um, box office takings that he possibly could. And he's quite um, open about that. So he just saw the huge potential in all the merchandise that all the kids would have as a result of that film. It's got a sceptical thing behind it, whereas um, Pulp Fiction is art. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can't argue with that because what he's done is sat back and thought, yes, I want to make as much from this as possible. So how can I make the best possible film to 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 cap capitulate, captivate? What's the word? Help me. Help me with a word to make the most out of this film to um, catapult or springboard off of this film. So uh, off of the merchandise. So he's made the best possible film you can. And I reckon now. I am going to put this out there and I'm willing to be shot down for this. I reckon if I sat down and watched Pulp Fiction, I'd wind up on my phone. I reckon if I sat down and watched Jurassic Park, that film's not getting glanced at. That, but that, that's more about your attention span than it is the... Uh... <laughs> well, yes, I've got the attention span for the better quality of film. <laughs> right. Um, well, over to Peter, I think. I think we've both made our arguments. Well, recently... We in this in our house we have started watching like series of films and we watched the Jurassic Park series of films. So we watched one, two, three Jurassic World, and then the most recent one. And I have to say that Pulp Fiction it is very arty and it's very clever and it's very well crafted. They've both got Samuel Jackson in. And I believe he says, I believe he says motherfucker in both of them. Um, for me, but what, the thing that struck me when I watched Jurassic Park, I watched all of them. And between the first one and the last one, you really couldn't tell the difference between the dinosaurs. And there's like a 25 year gap between the films. So for me, the most impressive of those two films is Jurassic Park. Unbelievable. And if you watch Jurassic Park backwards, it's a heartwarming tale of a T-Rex that gives the man his head back. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have said that, that's winning hands down. There's my argument for me. If you did Pulp Fiction backwards, it's a nice story of a man giving a burger back to someone and not shooting them. Sucking the bullet out of them. <laughs> How do you think people fire guns? You're thinking of blowguns, Terry, which is a very different art, different type of warfare. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, over to you, Emma. I'm going to go with misery. You haven't given it its full title there, Emma. You haven't put the, you haven't put everything that you wrote down there, Emma. I feel like you have to. I feel like you have to read out the entire sentence you wrote down. Oh, does it say something like the thriller that is misery? So I thought you would put misery on your list and you'd get like it. And it's the other reason why I didn't want it to be awesome because I thought I want misery to go in, but only if it's classified as a thriller. Um, all right. So against misery, I um so if we're talking horror, I've got a few horrors that thriller. I can put up against it here. Let's go with oh, let's go with the Blair Witch Project. So misery versus the Blair Witch Project, two iconic horror films. Both of which are equally terrifying. Well, not equally. One's scarier than the other. One is, is terrifying in the paranormal sense that I can't watch it alone on a night. Blair Witch Project. The other one is terrifying in the suspense, the build-up, and, and all that kind of stuff. And the, the hobbling of a man. Um, 
Um, That's so, the best description ever. Yeah. Um, that what being tale of a man who gets kneecapped by his mum. <laughs> but, but I, 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 I do enjoy again. The, th- the thing is, there, I'm not going to be derogatory about the films that you choose. Yes. You can't. You like the film that I've chosen. Yeah, this, exactly. It's a good film. I'm not going to be derogatory about it just to try and score cheap points like some people might. Well, but what I will say is that Blair Witch Project, again, is a better film. If you're looking at it from the sense of a horror, it's scarier. If you look at it from the sense of a thriller, it's like all oh, that that side of it is probably better in that sense as well. It's, you were talking about Pulp Fiction, where that was a clever film. There's the clever side of, God, this name, Blair Witch Project, where, you know, the whole thing about not letting the actors be known and is it real, is it this? So you've got the whole mythology behind it. And, yeah, that's it, really. I will let Blair Witch Project go in if you look into the camera and really clearly say, I now believe I was wrong and Misery is a thriller. Was that in the show? Me. Oh. Okay, uh, but I get Blair Witch to go in. Yeah. Okay, uh, I now believe I was wrong and that Misery was a thriller. There's the clip, folks. Blair Witch <laughs> Peter Project. wants to speak. I just, just wanted to come in on the Blair Witch thing. I wanted to pick on something that Terry said, and it's something that's in my memory from the time that this film came out, in that there was, it was like, it was like the internet was already around, but it wasn't what it is now. So you kind of believed folklore, and there was that folklore that Blair Witch was a real found film. It, it was like it was like the first brackets found film movie, if you will. Um, and when you watched it, there was that kind of is this a film? Is this real? Have we are we are we mm. watching? So there was that that element to it at the time, which if you watch it now, you don't get that because you know that it's just a film that's shot in a certain way. Whereas back then when you watched it, it was very much a, shit, is this real? Have they actually found this stuff? And yeah, that added to it at the time. It's really interesting because this was the discussion Terry and I pretty much had about it when it was on, I think, both the horror episode and the 1999 episode. And But we also spoke about if they had had social media when that film came out, they could have gone to town on that and they could have made that even more sort of gripping for people. Yeah. And like I say, if, if, if you could scrap all them and you could do it now, it would be interesting. But it's uh, it, it was, I mean, it wasn't, the, the it was the first proper found footage film and it was just freaky and i've said before but the thing that gets me with it still is it's just like anything with a camcorder because my brain relates it to being real so even though i know it's not my brain the subconscious side can't handle it uh it just accepts it as being real but either way but a wonderful film and uh and uh, i'm pleased that it's in the list so this is the mighty emma morgan what are you putting up next? That's a very interesting face. I would like... To, how many's left? Because I, I... How many have I got left? There's five spaces left on the list. There's five spaces left. I'd Scream, Tammy and the T-Rex, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Jurassic Park and Blair Witch Project. Right, okay. So I would next like to put in... It's between... Uh, right, I'm just going to go for it. Right, I would really like to put in Leon... Um, which is Luke Besson film. It stars a young Natalie Portman. It's incredibly sort of dark 
um, story. It's about a hitman that has to um, take in a girl who is orphaned by a very corrupt cop played by Gary Oldman. All three of those um, actors that I've just mentioned give Oscar-worthy performances. It's a stunning film to look at. Luke Besson is just an artist again. It's got so much... It's like one what films did before they became just dinosaur films. It's like got lots of different layers. It's got subtext in every shot they think about. There's even meaning to a plant and the plant's existence and how it corresponds to the characters in the film it is beautiful it's got one of the best baddies gary oldman is possibly one of the best baddies in cinema history in this film um the it, the only little thing about it is is that um, jean reno appears to play a french italian i don't know why but that is its only problem, but it should definitely go into this list. I mean, as you're aware, I've never seen Leon. I can't comment on the film itself. Um, You make it sound like a pretentious heap of crap. I'll be honest with you. However, I'm going to combat that. (laughs) I'm amused by my word choice, combat, Uh, (laughs) with um, Wayne's World. (laughs) You bastard. Which is also all full of subtext and... (laughs) underlying plot things and and cheeky bits like that. However, I before you come back and start firing stuff and degrading Wayne's World into basically some kind of spoofy nonsense, I'm going to give you the option of putting Leon straight in, providing you look directly at the camera and admit that Misery is indeed a horror film. <laughs> who's, editing, who's editing this again, by the way? I am now. <laughs> It'll get it'll get edited twice. There'll be two versions. Oh, that's not bad. It's your version goes out of mine. That's actually quite a good idea. <laughs> um, I would I would never um back down on my principles that easily just to get a film in a list. So no, I won't I won't do that. Fair enough. Where's I am popping I am absolutely papping myself though, because you know I love Wayne's world. So um, yeah, down to Peter. So the choice is, and this is just to clarify, the choice is between Wayne's World and Leon. Leon. That's not good, is it? It's not even remembered the name of mine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I haven't seen Leon. So I, because it's one of those films that you kind of, back in the day, kids, if you listen to this, when you used to go to the video store, and get a video on a Friday. It was one of those films that I picked up and I looked at it and I was like, eh, it looks all right. Whereas Wayne's World, I could probably recite 60% of the script off that. So but think- if you've never seen Leon, and I haven't seen Leon, we can't really make a judgment on oh. it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh- throw an option over to go on. I would maybe argue the fact that you all three of us have seen your choice and only I have seen mine might actually tip it more in your favour anyway. Yeah, okay, let's go with that. I'll, I'll take back the option I was going to put out there and we'll go with yours. What was your option going to be? I was going to say let's put them both in um, and, oh, uh, <laughs> and then we'll just move on. It's fine. I'll stand by, I'll stand by what I said. So Wayne's World, but no Leon. But I'll caveat that with the fact that I'm now going to go and watch Leon because this is like the third or fourth time I've heard you talk about it and it sounds really interesting. 
So I, I will actively seek it out and go and watch it. Awesome. Um, particularly if you like Gary Oldman. If for nothing else for Gary Oldman. I do love Gary Oldman. He's in my list again, so it's all good. Okay, so if you've gone Leon, I am going to go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Which one do I leave out? I don't know. I am going to go Terminator 2. Um, okay, so I would like to put in as good as it gets. Which which is as good as it gets? It's the film, it's the comedy film starring Jack Nicholson and um, that he won an Oscar for. I can't remember that film. I have seen it. I can't remember it. Uh, so again, I will refrain from comment on that film. Um, I will just speak about Terminator 2, which is um, one of those films that you'll hear me speak about a lot, which is indeed a perfect film. It is a combination of thriller, sci-fi and horror. It is Arnold Schwarzenegger at his best, even if that you did like wind up having one of your ex-boyfriends in tears watching it, I believe you said. Um, <laughs> and it is just an absolute classic of a sci-fi film. It is, I suppose, Terminator put Arnie on the map, but this is what stamped him. This is what put him on the scene. And like I said, it's just the perfect film there. It's, it's, it's the, the, the bad guy hunting down the good guys and it's just pure action and... Yeah, maybe not all of the effects stand up quite as well. I think there's that bit where he's doing his eye and his hand, and it looks good, but not great. Um, however, in terms of films, I think it's hard to get a better film. Maybe not, it might not be everyone's favourite, but it's hard to get a better film than Terminator 2. As good as it gets, pretty much classic comedy to me I really wanted Jack Nicholson to be on the list in some ways he won the Oscar for it it has been a couple of years since I've seen it but I think it's got a really great cast Um, it's kind of got one of those characterizations where there are things that the character says that make you kind of go but it's very much that it all comes back on him and he has to go through such a journey Um, It's a really sort of heartwarming story. It's about self-growth, about somebody that you would think has almost given up on self-growth. I think it's it's, um, a film that really highlighted things like, um, I forget what it's called now, so that's going to make a thing. Um, But somebody that suffers is like neurodiverse and sort of putting that into a main character role and showing how somebody has to cope with that. Really great um, characterization of his neighbour as well. And this kind of road trip feeling like the classic American road trip that they have to take together. And it it's genuinely funny and it's got a dog. See, the way you described Leon did not appeal to me in the slightest. The way you described that wasn't going to go put it on. It's like, and he's got a dog. Uh-huh. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm tempted to. I mean, I haven't seen. I can't. I can't give into a film I haven't seen, but I'm tempted to just because of the way you described it. I mean, it's it's, it's Oscar winning, and it's Jack Nicholson. And the thing with as good as it gets is it kind of it ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people because you've got. I mean, it's like mid. Is it mid nineties? Ninety six? Ninety seven? I think. Is it ninety nine? Something like that. Uh, but it, the story of it, you've got a guy in Jack Nicholson who actually you should really fucking hate him as a character. He's homophobic. He's just a nasty piece of work at the beginning. And 
he goes on, like you say, he goes on that journey, and then you've got um, the lady who's the single mum with the ill kid. Uh, you've got the, I think it's Greg Kinnear, who yeah. plays the gay artist, I want to say. And there's a whole journey that the characters go on, and it just it, and it it sort of builds to a beautiful end. You know, it's a re- it, it. But that said, T two is possibly one of my favourite action movies of all time. So if you two could sort this out between yourselves, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. I've got an extra thing that might tip it for Terry. It's also got a Ghostbuster in it. Which Ghostbuster? Um, the, the, the speckly one, the, the glasses one. I'm willing to, to step down. And the reason I'm willing to step down is because of some of pizza. And I think it's right, to be fair. Wouldn't be anything I said, would it? Of course not. No, it's because he referred to T2 as like his favourite action film. And I think, yeah, I think I would. I know I kind of said it covers a lot of bases. It's almost like that classic classic uh, stalker slasher horror film, just kill a robot chasing someone. But when it comes down to it, it it's almost like I would categorise it as an action film, not a film. If that makes sense, it falls more into that bracket than a film sense. And this is really weird because, I, I, yeah, screw it. As good as it gets is going on the list, which is very odd. I know why that's ringing a bell now and I haven't seen it. It's because there's a documentary. And this is why you like As Good As It Gets. There's a documentary called As Good As It Gets, which is about Leeds rugby. <laughs> Are you talking to me or Peter? You. No, so we know how much you're a fan of sports. So you've obviously seen the As Good As It Gets, the film. Then you've seen the As Good As It Gets rugby league documentary. about brilliant. I can get this in under <laughs> this guise, and really, I just want to talk about the rugby one. That's well, very crafty. There's certain what elements she, of rugby I like. What she's done is she's gone on Netflix, search as good as it gets. The actual film wasn't on there, but the Lee's documentary was. So she's ended up watching that by mistake. Well, you say mistake. With Are there thighs in it? There's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot well, on there. Not nudity. Skimpiness. Skimpiness. Okay, just put a little asterisk for when we finish. All right, so is this me now, or did, I, did you go for I would. I want you to go first, because I, I feel nervous putting mine up before yours. I don't like it. Okay. Can you just go first from now on? I'll do two, and then you can do the last one. All right. Oh, no. Well, all right, then. Was, you can do two, and I'll do the last one. <laughs> no, go, no, do the way around you said. Sorry. Are you sure? Yeah. Right. Do I need to toss a coin again? No, fine. <laughs> All right, so there's only three, and I've got four left on my list. I am going to go for Reservoir Dogs, the greatest Tarantino film of the 90s. Um, so I would instead... I'm going to go for the film that I've got on my list, which would combat this as an ensemble cast, and that is Hook. And again, I would say as an ensemble cast, think about who is in that film, Hook. In terms of Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, you know you love Robin Williams and you've not been overly kind to him over the past <laughs> 10 episodes or so. Julia Roberts, Maggie Smith, Bob Hoskins. There's this cheeky little cameo, Glenn Close as a pirate. Um, and it encompasses like that kind of classic, lovely family film. It's a classic story turned on its head about Peter Pan being the thing he's not supposed to do all grown up. It's 
funny. It's it's just a real feel-good movie. If any film you'd said so far, I would have happily put Reservoir Dogs over. However, there are times when I really don't dislike you. Hook has to go above. And, you know, all the things you've said and the horror elements that we've discussed previously, um, yes, I will stand down on Reservoir Dogs and Hook will indeed go in. You've made the right decision. On one hand, I feel like really chuffed. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of Hook. That's great. That's gone in the other I'm actually really happy that you guys settled that one because I love both of both of those films for different reasons. I just think it was one of Hook was one of Robin Williams's best performances in a film for me as a comedy actor. You know, people go about Mrs. Doubtfire and he was the voice of the genie and Aladdin, but for me, just the energy and the way he played that character. Was, he was like born to play Peter Pan, but an old Peter Pan. Mm. Um, whereas, and then you've got the ensemble, like you mentioned, like people like Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook is just iconic. Like Peter Pan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you can't see me doing that, my hook hand on my, uh, <laughs> my moustache. Because oh, it's a podcast. That happens it? a lot, don't worry. <laughs> also, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to pit Reservoir Dogs against Pulp Fiction. Um, that would have been a great. A great battle. I also wanted to to pit. Oh, I'm doing next one as well. I'll do it last. I also wanted to pit my next choice against your uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves choice because I thought it would be great to see that Robin Hood Men in Tights is indeed the best Robin Hood film of all time. Um, And therefore, uh, my next selection in this greatest films of the 90s is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Which is okay, but it's no Truman show. See, when when Terry said Robin Hood, Men in Tights, I looked at your list and I thought there is only one film on there that can match it, and you've picked it. So over to you guys. Interesting. Interesting because I think it depends how you look at the film. Because if you if you look at the film like you look at Men in Tights and you look think of comedy, it's a better comedy. If you look at Truman Show, which again is part comedy but part I don't know what you class it as. I suppose not a thriller, but I don't know what the right word is. But that that genre that's the better film of that that genre. But then when you put them together against each other, then it comes down to which is the better film and. This, this is where I'm, I'm frustrated, right? Because you put Robin Hood Men in Tights against Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and, and fucking Men in Tights comes up head and shoulders way above. I can argue that all day long, even in terms of the better film. You know, um, I could argue that without a problem. But I struggle to argue with it against this as a film, as the comedy, if we were doing the top comedies, the same way we did the top horrors, I would have this above The Truman Show. Right, okay, let's put the Truman Show in. And the thing with the Truman Show is, do you not think that, from the perspective of that film, it kind of foresaw a lot of the stuff that came after, Mm. like Big Brother, all the reality stuff? Because the Truman Show is essentially a show about a man who doesn't know he's being watched and his life is curated. And if you look at things now, like, um, you know, Made in Chelsea and TOWIE and all that crap on ITV2. 
um, it it kind of it it kind of pre-guessed all this coming. It, it was the Blair Witch of its time. Yeah, and can I say one of it's one of Jim Carrey's more serious films because he doesn't play it just for laughs. It is mm. there is a lot of drama in it, and it kind of up to that point, I'd only seen Jim Carrey in I think in I think in Ace Ventura and in The Mask, where he was like completely out there, weird, wacky, rubber face. Whereas in this, there was a bit there's more depth to his character. I sound like Barry Norman now, don't I? It's Google good. it, kids, if you don't know who Barry Norman is. Um, kids. Yeah. Kids don't listen to this. <laughs> we, we, we know as audience, it's like 30 plus. Yeah, Truman Show, it's one of the standout films from that from that decade, I think. From a, from a cinematography point of view and from the way Jim Carrey played that character, it's just, it's brilliant. Right, so Truman Show goes in. That said, if I can give Men in Tights an honourable mention, it is one of Mel Brooks's finest pieces of work. It, it is truly, he's taken a classic story and he's just turned it into nonsense, and it's brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we come to the the tenth choice on our films, and uh, <laughs> I am going to let you. I, I'll just. I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to throw it over. You may give your film choice. I don't want to. I think that might spoil this podcast <laughs> slightly. I mean, I can just give mine if you want, and then you don't give yours at all. No, it's not. I don't want to give mine at all. I just. I think I know what yours is. Oh, what's mine? Die Hard. Okay. So knowing the two that I've got left, now I have to go with, do I want to get a genre in, try and get a genre in, knowing that I've probably got no chance because I know Peter, if you have got Die Hard, Peter is also a big fan of Die Hard. So I've got to try and put the film up against it that has got its best chance, if you have in fact chosen Die Hard. It's like poker this, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not good at poker. That's why I'm pulling this confused face as you said. Do you know people often say I'm a bit of an overthinker? <laughs> I just wrote 10 films down. <laughs> and I'm basically, I, I, the way I do any of my list generally, it's like, oh, I'm going to write down all my favourite films and then I'm going to try and pick the best ones from it. So not necessarily my favourite of them all. I mean, I'll put my top favourites on there, but I think there's a different... I've said this before, because some of the films I know that I like are crap, but I still... Tammy and the T-Rex, it's an atrocious film, but I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant. That's why... Because I knew that wouldn't get... I couldn't argue for that in above anything else, which is why I put it in as my choice there. So it's like a favourite film, but it's not the best. Nowhere near. So it's finding that balance between favourite and best, I think. Right. So that's helped me so i for my final film choice i'm gonna say the fifth element which is another loot best on film and if this can make it in it will put right the wrong that was leon not going in uh, but if leon felt a bit arty arty farty and i made it sound a bit pretentious well fifth element is a little bit more family friendly so it's sci-fi it's also got your man bruce willis in as like one of the most amazing kind of leading men ever but remember terry Remember, it also has Mila Jokovic wrapped only in a bandage for a large, a large part of the film, and she does jump off a building and go like gravity, basically. So just remember that before you make any rash decisions um, or make any rash arguments. You've also got that. So Fifth Element goes in. You've got you've got Mila in that 
in that thing. Um, it's it's really good. It's really hard to describe like the direction of it. It's really colourful. It's really it, I. It's really funny. It's got opera in the middle of it, but it's got like this amazing kind of almost like dance mix opera. Um, and it's and it's got heart and it's 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 truly joyous. It's a joyous ninety or so minutes, and also got Gary Oldman being another amazing bad guy. And someone told me the other day that um, I think it was Ian from the group that this is really cool about this film. Um, Bruce Willis, the the main guy. And Gary Oldman, the bad guy, never crossed paths, which is cool. So, um, when we picked these films, there was only one film that we both agreed upon, and that was Scream. Uh, Scream led on to other brilliant slasher films of the same ilk. You know, there's obviously two, three, and four. Two was great, three was not very good, and four was pretty awesome. The Scream 5 coming out soon, and on to other stuff like I know what did last summer. All, all the, you know, the, the trail that followed, some of the some really, really good films that came from as a result of Scream. However, there wouldn't be a Scream without a new nightmare. Oh, thank God you went for that. Okay. Okay, stand a chance, right. Without a new nightmare, there is no Scream, which again, just to, just to remind you, was the only film we both agreed on on this list. Now, A New Nightmare is one of the greatest films of all time. It is, it's genre-busting, it's genre-defining, and it's an absolute legend of a film. It, 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 it precedes Scream, like I say, in that way, in the very meta way. It, it, it takes the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which had died on its ass pretty much, and it completely reinvigorates and goes, here, this is how we finish it. And by the way, this is fucking phenomenal. And it just gives you this thing of absolute Wes Craven beauty. The king of horror, Wes Craven, gives you this thing of Wes Craven horror beauty where... I mean, you mentioned before, uh, I forget what, I think it was Leon about the, the sort of on the plane and this, everything means something. That's what it is in New Nightmare. There's, there's a scene, for example, where a kid just right, cycles along on his biking background with his red and black jumper on, which is representative of Freddy. You know, all this stuff that just carries on over from the first show, uh, from the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which again, is one of my favourite films of all time. And I just think that it deserves its place in here because A, the film on its own merits deserves it, and B, there wouldn't be this, this these other franchises without this film. I'd never heard of that film until I did this podcast with you. I've never watched The Fifth Element. And if I want to watch Mila Jokovic, uh, on Resident Evil, you actually see Nipple. Yeah, but uh, the the costume, I, I actually think what the costume covers up actually adds to it. I don't think you appreciate this costume, Terry. I mean, I'll check it out for the costume, but either way, a new nightmare warrants being on this list, regardless of of, of whichever film that you would have put up. I would argue, uh, no, any of the films you put up, potentially Scream being the only other one, but simply because, not just because of the film, and this is what I was saying about favourites and bests, in that this is, you know, when we did this horror thing, the other, horror, top 10 horrors of the week, I, I was stuck between this and Nightmare on Elm Street. And at the end, I chose Nightmare on Elm Street simply because it was the first and it was what got me into horror. This is a better film than Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a better film and it's one of my favourites of all time. And the only reason that I didn't get number one in my horror was because, like I said, Nightmare on Elm Street was first. I would argue for this over anything, including my own selections. 
um, possibly with the exception of Blair Witch Project. But I would argue with it over the over that. And I just think, like I said, it's it's, it's genre defining. It's it's underrated, which ties into the fact that you haven't seen it, and it's just massively undervalued as a film. I mean, this did things for the industry that that most films don't do. The only thing that I would say would make the fifth element more worthy or more suitable is the actual genre of horror is a little bit alienating. So if you think about the populace and what they would rather watch, they'd probably rather watch a nice family film about Bruce Willis in space or in the future. I think we might have to throw this one over, Pete. Yeah, it's a tough one because I I wouldn't describe The Fifth Element as a family film, Emma. But it because the fifth element, it for me, it feels a bit like, and I'm probably going to get absolutely monstered for this in the comments. It's a bit like Blade Runner on a but on a budget. It, it's kind mm. of trying to be this big, kind of futuristic Blade Runner type film, and it just doesn't quite hit the mat. That said, I love it as a film. It's it's up there, and I used to actually own this on VHS and something on DVD. Um, and you Nightmare, I'm going to be completely honest, I've never seen it, Terry. I've never seen a new Nightmare. I have seen several of the Nightmare Elm Street films, and I agree with what Terry says in that this did kick off the screams of the world, and it made horror cool again, where... In the early 90s, horror had kind of gone down a bit of a cul-de-sac. It was a bit kind of stale and a bit samey. And the fact that it's the seventh nightmare, and I'm Elm Street film, I think I'm right in saying, Terry, is it the seventh? Um, I think it might be the eighth, if you include Freddy versus Jason, but it's around that. Yeah. Um, so it's a really tough one. Because it's the I'll thing. Go- I'm going to interrupt again then, because unfortunately, despite what my esteemed co-host slash host of the show said before the show and how she was not looking forward to my underhand tactics and and so on oh it feels only fair that when we came to leon and uh, and we hadn't seen it that uh emma morgan stood down and now we've come to new nightmare and you two haven't seen it so it's only fair that that i stand down and and hand it over begrudgingly to the fifth element oh yes which also and this is genuinely annoying. Means that Emma has won the film section. <laughs> and no diehards. I'm so happy. No diehards. No idea. I fucking missed diehard. Seriously. What year was diehard? I don't, was it even 90s? I don't remember talking <laughs> about it. It was be... about 92. I'm not sure. In fact, I'm going to live Google this. Give me a second. I'm saying diehards, not 89. Why have we argued about it so many times then? Because you like to pick follow everything. So when we come to Die Hard 2 and you start arguing over it, it's, we just get drawn into the <laughs> Die Hard debate. Is it the 90s? No, I don't Die think Hard it is. was 1988. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. That's well, why I was it's worried not about nothing. <laughs> I've been worried about that all day. <laughs> in, in Terry's defence, when you Google Die Hard, you know how, how um, Google sort of completes the question for you? The first option is, why is Die Hard so good? what was the the film on your list that you haven't mentioned it was this year's love because i really wanted to get a rom-com in and i know you'd never ever let notting hill um or four weddings through so i thought i'd stand a chance 
against a weak film with this year's love just because it's an indie rather than a mainstream. Richard you would Jones have stood a chance because I haven't seen it. So, um, But uh, the film I had left was Event Horizon. And as that's one of my favourite films of the 90s. I'd have it probably above most of the films I've mentioned. But as we were going through, I realised, yeah, I'm not getting this through. <laughs> so there you go. And I've seen both of those films, both Event Horizon and This Year's Love. And out of the two, I would have gone for This Year's Love purely because it's a British indie film. It's it's almost it's it's like wrongly classified as a rom com. It's not a rom com. It's just a comedy yeah. that happens to focus around couples. And also, the soundtrack is just it's the best music of that that year i think it was 1998 or something like that and it was also um the theme song the actual main theme was was written and performed by david gray who at that time was completely unknown Um, and that catapulted him into superstardom yeah what i will say is that you know now that the film section has finished and, and emma has won it and i she won the music and i won the tv so she's one to one that's an ideal opportunity just to lie and say Event Horizon to make me feel good. <laughs> that, that's the opportunity to do that. That's why you chose him to come and be a judge because he stands for what is right. No, I chose him because he thought he might stick up for me. <laughs> can I, can I um, mention a couple of honourable mentions that you both omitted? You may indeed. Uh, the first one is Starship Troopers. Oh, harrowing. Which is... Uh, a heartwarming tale of people that go to another planet and fight big spider monsters. But yeah, for me, it's just it's just a really trashy American sci-fi film. It, it it's it's kind of really bad, but also I really love it because it's just it is like nonsense. The other one I would have mentioned out of our latest Star Trek Generations, which was the one. I believe you discussed in 1994, which is where they had Kirk and Picard. Yeah. And yeah, uh, for me, uh, that was just as a Star Trek fan, seeing like both those captains in the same film. It's kind of just like a bit of a nerdgasm going on. I think the the, the thing with that is it, the film isn't brilliant. I think that's the problem with that one. It, it, like you said, it's just the idea that you get these two and like that mix up and and uh, it's just it's fun and it's for anyone that's been a Star Trek fan, it's like it, it's just joyous to see it. But I don't think I could ever get it on Tep Ten list. But yeah, definitely worth a shout out. So that concludes that. Have you got any deaths for us, Emma? I know that we're not on a specific year, but any random people that have died? No, but I did I was thinking about this and I I think the ultimate death of the nineties has got to be Princess Diana, hasn't it? Yeah, if we're talking, you know, famous sort of celebrity deaths, well done, Princess Diana. You've uh, <laughs> oh. you've you've achieved not- notoriety in a whole not- new level. Oh. I'm not sure. Well done. Well done. <laughs> well, we've killed, killed Pete. I, I, yeah, is that God? Yeah. Can we talk to Diana a second? We just want to pass on Terry's congratulations for having the yeah the best death. Best death. You need to do a deck up on awards and the most the best death of the eighties was. Da-da-da. That's not oh. a bad idea, actually. Get some special categories going here. But, uh, you know, we, I think we touched on this before, but I'm going to throw it over to Pete. Pete, should Diana go into events or deaths? <laughs> Diana dying, should it be event category or death category? But this, oh, yeah. This it, is more about Jordando. It, it depends. Yeah. I mean, 
she died, so she is a death. But also, if you look at major historical events of the 90s, it's probably up there in the top top two or three. <laughs> On that note of uh, Princess Diana <laughs> being in the top three events of, of all time, um, uh, I'm going to wrap up. And uh, we will, uh, first of all, big thank you to to, to Pete Gabo Garbach for joining us. Uh, how have you found losing your decapod virginity? It's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. And you you both made it incredibly difficult because... Actually, it's fair to say that all sixty, all sixty of your choices were all pretty solid. There wasn't really any like absolute dross in there, and I think the sort of final lists that you came up with are kind of the best of the best. But yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you very much for inviting me, guys. It's been been wonderful. Well, we may have you on in the future for a certain Brit pop special, but just before we disappear, I'm going to fire four quick fire questions at you. You're only allowed to answer one answer. Give me one song from the 90s that people should go listen to. Ash Girl from Mars. Give me one TV show from the 90s that people should go listen to or watch. <laughs> you threw me for a second there, just because I mentioned it earlier, This Life. Okay, and then one film from the 90s that people should go and watch. Austin Powers. And lastly, oh, nice. who is your favourite Terry or Emma? Sorry, mate. I love you both equally for okay. different reasons. My good looks, clearly. Uh, Emma, do you want to wrap the show up? Yeah, so that was the um, ultimate 90s where we took a look back across the whole 10 years and came up with some sketchy in Terry's case choices. <laughs> That's a remarkable choices in mind. So we think back on music and we found harmonies um, with our S Club choice. Um, also some Will Smith going in there. Plenty of Britpop to keep me happy. Um, but sadly, no Scatman. Uh, in TV world, we were mainly focused in on the comedies. So quite a lot of harmony thinking that, you know, Bottom, Royal Family, Father Ted, remembering the scaries that was Ghost Watch, but then also the ultimate um, show to sum up the 90s, which was Noel's House Party. And then in films, the best Robin Hood film made it to the list, thankfully, due to a tactical insight on my part. But then we still got, we got Scream in there. No Pulp Fiction, no Reservoir Dogs, no Tarantino on our list in the end. How amazing is that? But the Truman Show did come through for us. And just to put this back in your head, Terry, have you made peace with it? Or do you still think that your life is also the Truman Show? Um, <laughs> why? Why? Oh, I mean, you did that last time when we spoke about it. You, it's fucking 11 o'clock at night nearly and you're sending me to bed like that. Absolute fucking ass, right? But regardless... <laughs> Just because we're really good at this sort of stuff, go click subscribe. <laughs> this has been the most fun ever. So, so happy. I'll edit this out the main show, but I might put it in as a bonus episode. But podcasting, we've both kind of said, you do do it professionally, much more professionally than me. But we kind of met through podcasting. You came on my podcast and we kind of like got a friendship from doing that. And we came up with the idea of this little show. But this little show has just been a joy to make. And I love it. I love the Facebook group. I love doing the research for it. And I love just 
bantering and saying fuck off to to, to one of my most favorite people in the world so thank you for pitching it to me and making this a thing because it's been really good did you fucking mention truman show first <laughs> none of that matters it's fucking truman show and honestly if i can jump in there with, with a little bit of love um listening to you guys um i, I only listen to you when i'm driving which is probably a bad idea because i end up like ugly cry laughing and having a blowover um but listening to you guys it's like sitting in a room with two mates who have really strong opinions about stuff and can tell each other to fuck off and then have a hug afterwards um so it's lovely it's lovely to listen to you we can't be film critics here not just two mates we're supposed to be professional oh i thought you were gonna pick up like she's not my fucking mate oh no no i think i'd I'd class you as a mate it's just that you do things like fucking talk about truman show but I, I, do you know what, Ray? I don't give myself a lot of credit often, but I wrapped up, though. We've finished that show. Bang on, fucking half ten. That's how you do it.